Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. The weeks, the days are getting crazier. Crazy. I don't know what's going on in this country. We're in trouble. And, you know, you may find the president amusing or you may find him quite serious. But we are in trouble. We're heading for disaster economically, governmentally. We may end up in a war. You don't know what this guy's going to do. He's got everything mucked up. In the meantime, over the Russian affair, we're not getting anything done. <laughs> There's no major legislation being passed. Uh, we're at a standstill, and it's his fault. And I don't know where it's going to end up. I, I worry. Uh, something's going to explode, implode, explode, whatever the proper term is, but it's going to happen. Maybe not this month, maybe six months from now, maybe a year from now, but it is inevitable. Cannot live, cannot operate this way. Government cannot survive in this fashion. All right, let's start. Today I watch Attorney General Sessions. He should be ashamed of himself. I have never liked the man. He's a bigot. He's a white supremacist. Uh, he's a whack. <laughs> okay, got to call him a whack. Uh, everything that Obama did and even many things Bush too did to improve the quality of life in this country, uh, Sessions on behalf of Trump is undoing. He, you know, he's changing the way laws are going to operate and everything else. The man is a disaster. He's a throwback to the 1950s. He testified today as part of this Senate uh, Intelligence Committee hearing, and I've got to repeat, he was a disgrace. He was similar in style and in fashion as, uh, who was it there, Director of National Intelligence Dan Coates and the Admiral there, Michael Rogers, who's the Director of the National Security Agency. Recall last week, neither of these guys could answer questions. They didn't have a legal ground. They just said, I'm not going to answer them. Now, who the hell are they? If you or I are called before a court or an investigative body, unless we have an absolute solid legal ground not to respond, you respond. That's the way the law is. You're supposed to cooperate with it, especially people who have these such high positions in our country. And there's no executive pr privilege here. It hasn't been called for, and they just don't think it's right, in effect, to say something that might hurt the president of the United States uh, or, my, or say something that he, they found out, he told them, and they don't feel they should reveal it, though it's not considered confidential. So I don't know where the hell they're going. So, again, he refused today to answer questions without a legal basis. Uh, how are we ever going to get to the bottom of this Russian collusion issue if people don't testify? Uh, you need more than Comey. Call me, rather. I'm sorry. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Think back to Nixon and Watergate. At some point, someone in the process is going to break down and talk. It took a while with Nixon and Watergate. And that man was a member of the White House staff. John Dean, and he was the first to say, okay, I'm going to talk, and that was the beginning of the end for Nixon. I'm not sure who it's going to be in this situation. You know, I laugh, you smile, but it could be Michael Flynn. He's already said he's willing to blow uh, people in. He wants to see what kind of a deal he's going to get, and in the end, Mueller may 
make a deal with him. Now, as to the investigation itself, this Russian collusion investigation, understand this is only the beginning. There's a lot of digging now, tomorrow, next week, several months from now. A lot of digging ahead of us. I have said, and I continue to say, what what is happening now? What they're digging for with who said who to what meeting and were you there? It's just a door opener. It doesn't mean anything. Because in the end, as I wrote several months ago, as I have spoken several times about, in the end, this whole collusion thing, this whole Russian thing, is going to be decided involving Israel, Putin's Moscow banks, and money laundering. That's where it's going. Trust me, that's where it's going. Now, I'm not accusing our president of money laundering, but someplace, somehow, some people are involved. They believe in this, and it's all going to come to a head at some point. That's where this investigation is going to end up, with actual crimes being committed by many people, okay? Plus, what about blackmail photographs? This came up several months ago, and, you know, we all smiled at the time. Uh, did they have pictures of uh, Trump uh, in bed when he was in Moscow with the Miss Universe or something pageant? Well, I just pushed it off. But, you know, Putin, last week on Megan Riley's TV show, said Russia has the best prostitutes. Russia has the best prostitutes. Now, I'm not saying Trump went to bed with a hooker. That would be terrible. Our president wouldn't do something like that. Uh, but on the other hand, if he did, and understanding how the Russians work, they got everything bugged and everything being photographed. Who the hell knows what he's got, what, they, what Putin's got? And based upon Trump's past sex record, you know, it would not be unusual for something like this to have occurred. But I'm not accusing our president of anything at this time. I'm just saying these are the possibilities, probabilities. I'm not even sure what term, but they're out there. Yesterday's cabinet meeting. Uh, I couldn't believe what I saw. And those of you who saw it had to feel the same way. Here was his entire cabinet sitting at a big conference table with Donald Trump. And the camera went around. And each cabinet person, these are big people, was required or did say, I'm not saying they were required, but they all said, Mr. President, you're terrific. You're the greatest. Never had a better president. I'm in love with working with you. I love working with you. Nothing could be better. You're doing great things for the country, et cetera, et cetera. I never saw anything like this before. Not the purpose of a, a cabinet meeting. You're wasting everybody's time. You're wasting my taxpayer dollars. Uh, they're supposed to do business there. What they were doing, his cabinet, were kissing Trump's ass. Okay, no question about it. Disgraceful. Disgraceful because each one of those cabinet members was a successful person in their other life. They don't need that kind of submission, even if it is to the man who is the president of the United States. They don't need to keep those jobs. They don't need to kiss ass. And at the same meeting, Donald Trump, he praised his presidency. He said it's one of the most productive in history. And he also says he has passed legislation at a record-setting pace, almost as good as Franklin Delano Roosevelt. 
Well, let me tell you something. Donald Trump deceives himself. He probably believes in his own mind that these representations are true, that the first three or four months have been the most productive in history, that he's booming legislation through. But let me ask you, what's happened so far? Not one piece of major legislation has been passed. I'm talking, I'm talking passed and signed into law. He's got nothing going. No health care, no tax uh, cuts, uh, no infrastructure, nothing. None of the things he said he was going to do day one, repeal Obamacare. Nothing's happening because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing, and his staff don't know what they're doing. What an inept, incompetent man we have elected to the presidency. Uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I want to talk about Boeing. See, I believe that Trump can be bullshitted, and I'm talking in basic terms. That's the only way I know how to put it with this guy. He's been bullshitted. Remember, recall, Boeing, they made airplanes. And here it was. Uh, he's not even president yet. He's been elected. He's in the transition period. It's around December 20th, 21st. And he sees, oh, we're, we're doing a new U.S. Air Force One for the president. Won't be ready for four years. It's going to cost so many billions of dollars. And he says, rip off, because he's got a plane like that. Not as good, of course. Uh, rip off. Not going to pay that kind of money. And then he sees a contract, as I recall, with Boeing for so many new planes the country's going to buy. Terrible. Too expensive. Not going to buy them. So what happens? There's a meeting on December 21st, the first meeting, between Trump and the CEO of uh, Boeing. His name's Muhlenberg. And they had a series of three meetings. And over those three meetings, they became buddies, tight buddies, okay? Uh, How am I going to put this? It was kumbaya, kumbaya at the end of the three visits, okay? Trump visited the Boeing uh, plant in North Charleston, South Carolina. The CEO, Muhlenberg, was there, and he said to the employees in the plant, and I quote, we've got a voice at the table. Now, of course, the price was cut on US-1. Muhlenberg said, we're only going to work in this country. We're not going to build plants in other countries. We're going to stay in the United States, build planes here, because Trump promised them all kinds of things, tax breaks for the rich and everything else. Uh, And it looked like a good deal to Trump. He says, this is what I want. The CEO says, okay, boss, you're the president. We'll give it to you. We'll work with you. We're not going to you know, do this in other countries anymore, build planes. We're going to do it in the United States. And Trump went before the American people and said, I am creating jobs. I have saved jobs. Well, what's happened in the last three months? Not very long since that time, okay? Boeing, Boeing, buddies with Trump, Muhlenberg, is building right now or planning to build new factories in China, Saudi Arabia, and India. What the hell happened here? CEO uh, Muhlenberg here says, well, we're, we're not taking jobs away from the United States. Follow me on this. He says, the number of jobs will not be reduced in the United States. We just won't be adding any new jobs. 
Well, we need new jobs. That's the whole idea. Number one, we don't want to lose any more. And number two, we've got to create more jobs here because we had enough people out of work. Forget your 4.3% unemployment. Even when it was 7% and 6% with Obama, don't mean nothing. We've got a 15 to 20% unemployment rate in this country. If you look at it properly, and economists will tell you, that's the real number. Because at some point, the people unemployed go off the rolls. Okay? And they are not counted. So... CEO says, well, we got to do this. These people, these countries won't buy from us unless we build. They're smart. They've been smart on us all these years. Unless we build stuff in their countries that they're going to buy for us. And that's how China, Saudi Arabia, and India have this, uh, these deals going. Now, you have to understand, Trump, what, two weeks ago was in Saudi Arabia? Uh, they kissed his ass, okay? And he kissed their ass. They gave him the, what, the, the gold medal. Uh, he danced the dance. He flashed the black sword in the air. Our president, he dances with him. And that, you know, he, well, I can't blame him. I, I, I've been to uh, Greece a lot, and I dance with the guys and the women, you know, and the break the dishes and all that kind of stuff. It's fun. So he was doing what in Saudi do what the Saudi Arabians do. Anyhow, what I'm trying to say is when Trump was there, he announced, over 10 years, we're going to sell so many billion dollars worth of airplanes and other equipment to Saudi Arabia that's going to be manufactured, of course, in the United States. Uh, let me tell you what happened. You can't trust the Saudis. I'm sorry. You can't trust them. While Saudi Arabia is dealing with Trump at this meeting, they're all also dealing with Boeing. I don't know if anybody for Boeing was there. I'm beginning to assume someone was, like Muhlenberg, because at the same state meeting between Trump and Saudi Arabia, uh, a deal was made between Saudi Arabia and Boeing that Saudi Arabia is going to buy $50 billion of defense and commercial uh, machinery, etc., cetera, uh, from Boeing. Boeing's going to make it and sell it to Saudi Arabia. It's going to buy it. However, part of the agreement between the Saudis and uh, Boeing is that the manufacturing, uh, the completion of the manufacturing of the Boeing Apache attack helicopter would be manufactured in Saudi Arabia. Hey, this is what he's doing. They're doing in India, Boeing. And this is what they're doing in China. And here, our president, he had this meeting, he, he got the gold medal, he danced with the Arabs, they promised him the world, <laughs> and now he doesn't even understand they're screwing him. They've gone back on their word already because of what I've just spelled out for you. I want to talk about another issue. Does color matter, the color of a person? And this involves, to a certain extent, public theater, well-known public theater, uh, has presented, was presenting recently a Shakespearean uh, show, Julius Caesar. We all know Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, ette brute. But it's done in a modern setting. Today, today's clothes, uh, speech as if it were today, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the same story, exact same story. Trump in the play was, Donald Trump was Caesar, or Caesar was portrayed like Donald Trump. Okay, and the actor playing Trump, Caesar, looked like Trump, wore long ties, 
business suits, even had hair done like Donald Trump. And as per, just like Caesar at Tebrute, uh Caesar, Trump, got knifed to death on the stage. Immediately, immediately, Delta and Bank of America withdrew all sponsorship of public theater. They thought this was terrible. Well, let's go back to 2012, five years ago. Same play done in a modern version by the acting company. They were on a national tour. Caesar was played by an African-American in a business suit. He looked like Obama, and he knifed and got killed on the stage. No one went through financial support (laughs) because Caesar looked like Obama at that time, but they're doing it today. What kind of a hold does this man have on people? What fear do these people have? Uh, Everybody's afraid of doing things, especially big business. They don't want to get screwed in any way. Whatever you want, boss, we're going to do for you. You're the man. Well, I don't know. What's good for the goose should be good for the gander, and if it was okay in 2012, it should have been okay today. Ah, The Berlin Wall. Can you remember the Berlin Wall? Let me start this way. Two things have blown my mind in my lifetime, and I'm 81 years old. And i got to say, only two things blew my mind, but they were big. Things I believed would never occur. It was impossible for them to occur. One was man on the moon. Wow, absolutely impossible. Who would have thought a man, we were going to land on the moon and a man was going to walk on the moon? I found it very moving, extremely moving. Today, To this day, I am impressed. The other was the Berlin Wall coming down. Uh, in 1969, you know, the Russians got mad at the Allied forces. There was four, four different countries occupying Berlin. It was stupid, but that's the way it ended up after World War II. And the Russians got mad at everybody else, especially us, and they built a wall around their area of Berlin that they controlled. And it was called the Berlin Wall. And that thing was up for about 20-odd years, 20 years. When that wall went up, I never thought it was going to come down. I'm telling you, no one ever thought the Berlin Wall was going to come down. You have to remember the times. I'm an adult through this whole thing. I feared we were going to go to war from the end of World War II. I was an adult then till 1990-91. Every person in this country, every American feared we were going to be involved in a nuclear war with Russia. Our children went to school, were taught how to get under the desk as if that was going to help them, if there was going to be an air raid. Some people built bomb shelters, concrete bomb shelters, under the earth in their backyards. And the fear was always we were going to go war, an atomic war. They were our enemy. And it was true. They were our enemy. We were their enemy. All right, so in 1969, the war went up. On June 12, 1987, June 12th happened to be, I think, yesterday. Uh, in 1987, June 12th, Ronald Reagan, President of the United States, stood before the Berlin Wall in front of thousands, thousands of Berlin people, and he said to Secretary Gorbachev, the head of Soviet, the Soviet Union at the time, he wasn't there, but he said it, he said, 
take down this wall. I watched it on TV. I heard it. I saw it. And with that kind of drum and his voice, as only a Ronald Reagan could do, he said, take down this wall. Secretary Gorbachev, take down this wall. Well, the wall came down two years later. I never thought I'd see this. And the people knocked it down, stone by stone, brick by brick. They knocked the hell out of that wall in one day so Berlin could be united. And this all happened because the Soviet Union was dissolved, and now you just had a bunch of smaller independent countries, uh, which it still is. You don't have a Soviet Union. Russia that we talk about today is not the Russia of pre-1990. Uh, that was the Soviet Union. Now they're independent countries, small countries. Uh, and with it, the war feeling was relaxed when that wall came down and the Soviet Union was dissolved. Uh, just wanted to share with you the fact that that wall came down. That moved the hell out of me because uh, I thought we'd go to war before that wall ever came down. Qatar. Qatar. Visualize, if you would, the Middle East, the map of the Middle East. You don't have to know where all the countries are or anything. In one little area on a seashore is this little country called Qatar. If you took the eraser on a pencil, the top of that eraser is the size of Qatar on the map. Everybody else has got two, three inches of country. Qatar's got the, the, the top of the eraser on a pencil. It's very small, but it's a, an important Arab country. Now, what I'm talking about has only occurred since Trump's visit to Saudi Arabia two weeks ago. What happened is Trump said, I'm going to do all these things for you, Saudi Arabia and some of you other uh, Arab countries, you know, the military equipment, the planes and everything else. And he was happy because he's going to make jobs, he said, for, in his mind, for us in the United States. And some of that will, but not all of it, as I just showed you. And he said, but you guys got to do something. You got to get rid of terrorism. He's talking to the terrorists. The biggest terrorist in the world has been Saudi Arabia, okay? Our friends, those who gave us $4 a gallon gasoline, those who had 15 or 17 of their citizens on the airplanes on 9-11, okay? These are our friends, Saudi Arabia. And it's a lot of bullshit. They're our friends. Uh, they've used us for years. I don't know why every president plays ball with them. But he said, you've got to get rid of terrorism, one week later, what happens? Saudi Arabia and two or three other Arab countries, <laughs> they go after little Qatar. <laughs> and they blockade Qatar, and they threaten an invasion of Qatar. They'll kill Qatar if they ever invade him. Except, and, and Trump really took credit for this, or re took credit right away for this. He said, see, see, Saudi Arabia, they they." gone to Qatar and said to Qatar, you got to stop your acts of terrorism. I told them they had to do this. He didn't say go to Qatar, but he took credit for it, all right? I believe that Trump and whatever he said to Saudi Arabia at this meeting and the other Arab countries, he emboldened them. He emboldened them to take dramatic action like going after Qatar. Saudi Arabia took the smallest country <laughs> and said, you guys got to stop these bad things you're doing. And I'm not even sure Qatar did this, did these things. Um, terrorism. And let me give you some things. Qatar's been our friend. 
All right. We have a military base in Qatar for I don't know how many years, one of the biggest military bases in the world. 10,000 of our military are there constantly, and we need that base for things we're doing with Russia and everybody else over there. And what's Qatar going to say when our, our president says, that's good, he's gone after Qatar? This ass doesn't think. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He probably didn't even know we had an air base in Qatar, all right? Uh, what's really at stake here, the problem is, it's part of the Sunni-Shiite fight. Iran and Saudi Arabia don't get along. Iran and most of the Arab countries don't get along. It's Sunni-Shiite again. And Qatar, even though they're of a different sex, Sunni-Shiite, has had a business relationship with Iran for years. The, Qatar is extremely wealthy because of natural gas. And they've had a natural gas deal with Iran that has benefited the both of them economically for I don't know how many years. Both have become rich because of it. They are business partners. So, uh, what do I tell you? Saudi Arabia hates Iran. Sunni Shiite war again. Uh, the United States is anti-Iran. Iran. Trump is anti-Iran. So it all worked out. Saudi Arabia says we can go do this. We can go after Qatar, and they knew the president would take credit for it, no matter where they went. And we're going to look good, and maybe we're going to grab their natural gas. In the meantime, we're going to screw up Iran, who we hate. Very simple. That's the whole story. Uh, and it's all led, it's emboldened by Trump, but led by the most terrorist, encouraging nation in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia. Let's stay with Qatar. I love this, how money comes flying out all the time. All of a sudden, we're hearing all these dollar figures big since Trump got elected. John Ashcroft, he was attorney general under Bush, too. He has a law firm. He's part of a major law firm uh, in Washington, D.C. Qatar this past week hired, Qatar hired, John Ashcroft's law firm, okay, to deal with the Saudi Arabia problem before it turned into armed conflict. They paid John Ashcroft's law firm up front $2.5 million as a retainer, $2.5 million for a retainer, only to cover the first 90 days of work. Good day. God bless America. All right. Something interesting and soft, not harsh. I'm going to talk about the Democratic donkey and the Republican elephant. It wasn't always donkey and elephant. They're referred to as mascots in the old days. The Republicans originally had an eagle representing them, their mascot. Then in the late 1800s, Harper's Weekly began using elephants in political cartoons. And it took hold, and the elephant replaced the eagle. Now with the Democrats, their original mascot was the rooster. <laughs> like she was, their mascot was the rooster. Till Andrew Jackson ran for president. The opposition to Jackson made fun of Jackson with a play on his last name. And what they did was 
They turned Jackson and his followers, they referred to them as jackasses. Now, it stuck, but the Democrats didn't like jackasses, and over a period of time, it became donkey. So it went from rooster to jackasses to donkey. Now, the rooster part of this, this is what's interesting. In some states, to this day, the rooster still appears on Democratic state ballots as the symbol, the sign, the emblem, the mascot for the Democratic Party. Quickly, Ebola is back. It's spreading. Don't know how bad. It's in the Congo again, the northeast remote region. Uh, over a period of the first week, there were three new cases. The second week, nine new cases in one 24-hour period, then 29 more cases. Uh, not like it was back when in 2014 when they had 11,000 people infected. Right now, they've got something like a total of 50 or 60, but it's like an 800% increase in a short period of time. It must be watched. Only three people have died so far, whereas in the previous epidemic, 90% was the fatality rate. Steps are being taken to contain it. However, we have been warned that if it gets out of hand, most of Africa, all of Europe, and most of the United States would be infected. That's what they're saying. I don't know if it's true. That's the show for this week. I hope you have enjoyed. Uh, keep in mind that I'm doing a live Facebook video every day, two, three minutes, where I yell about Trump, where I yell about the Cleveland Cavaliers, whatever turns me on at the moment. Watch it. It's under Key West Lou, uh, my video. I, I think you will enjoy it. Thank you for joining me this week again. I look forward to being with you next week. Good night.